What's up, guys? This is the In The Zone podcast hosted by Sam Sherbin and Max Cho. Now, Sam and I met a few years ago at the Bowery Hotel in New York City. And there we had a conversation that would lead us on a long journey. How can we best humanize the individuals behind some of your favorite records? Now, myself as an artist manager and Sam as a mixing engineer, we felt passionately for the need to humanize these stories, to humanize the individuals behind the boards who are responsible for crafting the songs that have become the soundtracks to your lives. We want to use this podcast as a platform for telling those stories. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to the In The Zone podcast. Hello, welcome to In The Zone with Sam Sherbin and Max Show, And we have our guest, Nia Music out of Amsterdam, who's a producer, she's a writer, mix engineer. What got you started in the music? What, what started the spark? Thank you. Thanks for having me over. Yeah, so it has to be just my love for music in general, because I'm a fan first and foremost. I just, I just really love music. And growing up as a little girl, I used to listen to pop music. I listened to a lot of Mariah Carey, a lot of um, Backstreet Boys, Spice Girls, stuff like that, and R&B as well, Destiny's Child, and I love Tupac and all kinds of music. So um, I had all these CDs at home and I just, I really just remember going through the CD booklets and reading all of the lyrics and all of the credits. And then I realized like, oh, this is a song by Mariah Carey, but it's made, like it's created by like 10, 20 people. So you see all these names in the credits. So I'm like, who are these people and what did they do? So that's that's kind of like what sparked that interest in me for, um, yeah, trying to look deeper into music in general. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's incredible. Was was there a certain credit that you saw over and over that kind of sparked it, a producer credit or an engineering credit that you were like, hey, you know, there's ten people, but this one person is doing something that I really admire uh i i do remember seeing the name tony maserati a bunch of times and that name really stuck with me um for some reason and he is really one of my idols um i consider him a mentor as well because i did his uh, mix with the master seminar um i went twice actually (laughs) Um, in 2017 and 2018 and I just really really loved it and I um, just look look up to him as a role model and it's just great to have learned from him up close uh, when this was a name that I kept seeing in all these CD booklets growing up so uh, so yeah that's that's definitely a name that stood out for sure what was some of the qualities of those mixes uh, that really said this guy is setting the bar? He's setting uh, kind of the tone for like how records are mixed because uh, mixers, mixers like that usually um, they work very hard and they start getting their names and credits on bigger records and then all of a sudden they, they become like the go-to name, like the Serbans, the Mannies, the Tonys. And uh, were there certain records you're like, oh my God, this Tony mix is a standard for like a pop mix. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, um, not necessarily. I think I might have been too young for that because I'm really talking about like childhood. So I it wasn't really that deep for me yet growing up. But I just remember I loved hearing a clear, uh, clear sounding vocal, obviously beautifully sung vocal and uh, just a heavy low end. I always loved a heavy, dense production and a heavy low end so I think those are the things that kind of stuck with me yeah yeah I think uh his his work especially with bad boy back in the day kind of set the tone because I was listening to those same records and uh, I think one uh he did mixes for like black eyed peas that really stood out because then he was venturing more into the pop territory and uh uh you know right but with his sound, yeah. But right? with his, yeah, with his, his low, low end, end so. and his his precision yeah. with those vocal harmonies, uh, not a lot of people can do. And also, uh, shout outs to Vixer and Max at the Mix the Masters program. I went to that one is I went to uh, one with Manny Marikine in 2013, and that was just incredible. Nice. What was that like? It was incredible. I was I was in uh, France for a month working on a record and uh, got into the Manny class and we drove like five hours, I think to St. Remy de Provence. And like, it was just this whole journey of uh, of soaking it in. I think those kind of master classes, you know, as you know, it's like very one-on-one. There's a lot of, there's amazing talent all over the world. And then there's also, you get that time with the mentor and really kind of dial in yep. your skill set. I think it's a unique offering. and um, It's insane, yeah. right? Absolutely insane. Yeah, I had the pleasure of uh, doing three Mixed with the Masters seminars, and I can honestly say they were absolutely life-changing. So I did the two with Tony Maserati, and then the last one I did was the one with Jason Joshua and uh, Dave Pensado and Timbaland, which was also literally life-changing changed my life i was so hyped for that one because i was like i had to go to another one and uh i think that one was very unique because you had an incredible like once in a lifetime producer and you have the mentor and you have the mentee like jason and people you know i think people see jason they're like you know he's he's the big guy right now working on a lot of records but you know dave was his mentor and dave was working on ridiculous amounts of records right. what was what was the biggest takeaway from that i mean there's so many takeaways from those classes, right. but there must have been a few things oh man from the jason joshua one or in general oh <laughs> well, jason one yeah we could start with jason and and then we can go to tony okay so first of all, not that this has anything to do with mixing, but did you know that Dave Pensato used to be the greatest guitar player in the world? Because I didn't know that. I didn't know and that. And then he <laughs> he played us a cassette tape of like some insane song that he was playing guitar on it. It sounded like some Van Halen type, really just insane and just perfectly, perfectly played. Um and uh, that was something that was just that blew my mind already. And I did not know that about him. Maybe I should have done my homework better. But 
Um, that was a really, really awesome surprise. But honestly, both of them, Jason and Dave, gave us everything that whole entire week. They just, they were open books. We could ask anything and any question was answered. Like, so, yeah, I'm so grateful. Still so grateful. You guys did uh, 21 snaps. <laughs> yeah, 21 snaps. That's funny. Yeah, that's the um, that's the nickname that we gave the group of students that were there because there was 21 of us. And um, when we did the um, session with Timbaland, we actually sat with him and all of us got to chime in on the arrangement and structure of one of his unreleased songs from one of his artists. And it was already a super dope song. But with, you know, 21 of us there, there was just like little thoughts and little ideas being, you know, thrown into the room. And then Jason was um, sitting behind Pro Tools and um, putting everything in, all the ideas that we were giving. And one of the ideas was, hey, what if we take four bars here in this bridge and we add a snap and mute all the other drums? But then there was like, we were like, oh, but there's no snap in there. So we yeah. recorded one, <laughs> and since then we're twenty one snaps. <laughs> oh no, that's 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 awesome. I think I think you guys had a bit of that on. Uh, you guys were filmed. It's on the Mix of the Masters site. They were showing that's the process. Right. That's super yeah. rare. I mean, people don't really see. Yeah. The behind the scenes of of that. You know what? I actually I I could be wrong. So, you know don't this this has a disclaimer but uh i think that was jason who who just kind of demanded that they just record everything and put everything online yeah i believe that was him that's valuable because when i was going they they were filming but they weren't yeah. constantly filming it wasn't like they were constantly filming manny mixing you know exactly. it was more like a private yeah. a private thing but like uh yeah. They usually don't film the seminar part. They'll film like videos for their website where the engineer talks about like a session or whatever, but they don't film the seminar part. And I think it was Jason. I could be wrong, but I think it was Jason who was like, you got to film the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I think that's gangster not, though. <laughs> they're not, they're not afforded the same uh, opportunities. It's, it's also hard to get in and then mm -hmm. it's, it costs money and there's a whole logistics. Yes. We had one guy come from Australia and he lost all his clothes. He took him 24 no hours to get there. Yeah. He lost all his clothes and someone was kind enough to like, Hey, we kind of wear the same side. You could wear a shirt or two and then Aww. go shopping afterwards. Yeah. It's a lot of, uh, see, I love that because every single time that I've gone, the group of engineers students has been so incredible. You're just surrounded by just this, this new family that you're locked up with for a week and you eat together and you know, you're sleeping in the same building. So you just kind of like spend the whole week together and you, you know, hang out by the pool together and whatever. So you just have this like n new family almost, which is so awesome. I love that. Yeah, I still I still work with some of the producers on from my class. Yeah, make stuff with them. So do I. Keep yeah. in touch with them. And uh, 
Absolutely. How gorgeous does that Neve sound, though? That 88R is like ridiculous Ooh, sounding. So smooth. It's so beautiful. I was just um, recently actually thinking about it again because this is, you know, just unrelated, but I went to a studio that has an SSL 4000, which obviously sounds great also. And we were recording a voiceover for a TV commercial. And um, when I took it home to finish it up, to edit it and mix it and everything, I noticed that there was just a little bit of harshness in that vocal. And then I was like, I think that might be the board. Oh my God. That's kind of like added, adding a little bit of, you know, harmonics and stuff, which usually sounds awesome, but like for a TV commercial vocal, it's not ideal. And then I was like, we should have had like the Neve 88 (laughs) from from Studio La Fabrique and just had it in there instead, because it would have been so smooth and silky. (laughs) No, I guess you're talking about editing. I, I know you post a lot of amazing tips on your Instagram. And, uh, thank you. You, you show a lot of the pre-mixing process, the editing, the clip yes. painting, the, the reversing the phase for something. I really enjoy that part of your process and showing that because a lot of people don't know that like Jason and Manny, mm-hmm. these guys have like five mix, like assistants, like, you know, assisting right. and prepping records and putting it on the board, taking it off the console, printing all the stems. And absolutely uh, for someone like us, it's like, yeah, you get the record, but is it mix ready? I think I think that's a huge discussion people don't have because they just want to mix whatever is in front of them and they don't want to check every single thing. Yeah, and it shows, you know, not to knock anybody's work, obviously. Of course, it's going to sound great anyway, but if you want that little part between great and excellent, that's where that money is, is in the automation, in the prepping, in the volume editing, in all of that annoying work that nobody really wants to do. But once you take the time to do it, and I always tell people whenever I talk to people about this, I never do it on the same day as the mix. I treat it as if I'm my own assistant. I have prep days or prep hours and and mix hours, you know. So whenever I have a mix that I know that I have to do that week, I will do the prep like a day before or longer. Um, I'll never do it on the same day because you'll be tired of it by then, you know. It's too technical to be creative and to have fun with it. But once you start mixing, you want everything to be just really nicely, just all ready and set up and edited and all cleaned up, you know even headphone spills and, you know, the manual DSing that I talk about, the manual clip gain volume automation and stuff like that. Yeah, that's where the money is. That's where, I mean, that's the best DSing you could do is the the manual DSing going there and, and zooming all the way into the sample and then, mm-hmm. and then gaining it out. And uh, that's where you, where you yeah. get the uh, consistency throughout the entire yeah. song, you know? Absolutely. Don't let a DSer do that work for you because it's not the same because it's going to alter the sound of that S and it's not going to do it in a nice way. You know, you want to do that manually so that the DSer can only work really, really lightly as well as the volume automation in general um, so that the compressor doesn't have all the uh, all that work to do. And you're going to have a great natural sounding vocal.
Yeah, I think people depend too much on those automatic compensations of the R-comp and the, uh, the game structure of these things to do the work all the time because the vocal is dynamically moving all the time and the compressor is only working at a certain threshold, certain ratio, and mm -hmm. the vocal may be too low at a certain point, then you got to clip gain it and make it, you know, you have to, it's not so much of a, let me set this preset in this thing. I mean, presets are great, but yeah. that's not where the work is. Set it is. and forget it. No, and the same goes yeah. for, um, you know how a lot of people will have like a lead vocal throughout the whole song. So they'll have the verse and the pre-chorus and the chorus and the bridge and everything will have one lead vocal and they'll just put it on all in one track. When, yeah. you know, the vocal has dynamic ranges, it has different um, different notes. Sometimes it'll be much higher, sometimes it'll be much lower in notes. And so your EQ is going to need different things and your compression is going to need different things. So, you know, always try to separate those on different tracks as well and treat it, you know, separately. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the volume automation, absolutely. That's one of the first things that I, uh, I start my prep with is the vocal edit as well as melodyning and stuff like that. No, that's 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 incredible. Do you have a uh, do you have a process when you're finalizing the mix and you're trying to get it to that last five percent? Like I always talk about that five percent difference between mm -hmm. that like you're listening to and you're like it needs a little bit of this or a little bit of that. How do you how do you uh, come to that conclusion? Whether it be like a harmonic thing in the eight oh eight or a vocal. I mean, it's all song dependent, mm -hmm. but. Um, there's always like that one test of playing the record before you send it to the client. Like, what are those 5% things that you look for or you listen for, for a mix? That is a great question, actually. I never really talk about this a lot, but um, what I like to look for usually is I'll play the whole song through. I'll play it on a phone speaker. I'll play it on my uh, AirPods and I'll play it in a car. And I can kind of get a sense of how it's hitting. And because I listen to music on all of those systems, I will kind of know like, okay, this is hitting here. And this part might be a little bit like the vocal will need some lifting there and stuff like that. Or maybe there's like a little boring transition part when you're waiting for the chorus to start. And you're like, oh, that, that needs a little delay throw or whatever, like little things like that. And um I think that's usually when I'm ready to send to the client also because I like <clears throat> to I like to um, include the client in the mixing process as well. I don't want to send it and be like, hey, it's done. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. I always send it with the idea like this could be done, but let me see what the client thinks and let me see what they think. And sometimes if I'm kind of searching for it and, and I'm not, I'm like kind of getting a little bit lost. Obviously, this depends on the client. But usually I'll just send it and be like, hey, this is still like in progress. But let me know what you think so far. And I'll ask for their opinion. No, that's to like help me get through. No, that's cool. I mean, I see people do in progress. They'll say in progress mix. They won't say 
mix one, mix two, mix three, they'll just say, this is a work in progress. Mm-hmm. This is a, a yeah, like an open revision instead of like a closed revision. Like, hey, you have X amount yeah. left, you know? Yeah, and, and, you know, artists love that because, you know, this is their art. This is their baby that you're working on. So obviously they want to be involved and they should be involved, I think, you know? Yeah. I think it's our job to, to honor that and to you know make sure that they're happy with how their their song sounds definitely engineers are getting a lot more love than they ever have you know in terms of like the the spotlight showing what we do how hard mm-hmm. we work on records do you feel like it's a good transition yeah we're much more visible now i love that yeah mm-hmm. and everybody wanted to be uh you know timberland and all these other guys and it's good to see that these guys in the background mixing these records get some shine and get some like uh, acknowledgement for how hard we work on stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And still, you know, there's a lot of confusion about mixing and mastering and you know all of that stuff. But uh, yeah. but it's getting more visible, and I love that. And the same goes for women in audio as well. You know, it's a it's uh, cliche, but there just aren't really that many women in audio. At least there haven't been. But I think it's growing. It has been growing. I think it's also because there's just a lot more visibility and it's just easier to find information and easier to connect, you know, and to have role models and to, you know, connect with people who do the same thing. And I'm I'm going to sound really old when I say this, but when I started out, none of that was there. <laughs> <laughs> it was pre-social media. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, there was very little mm-hmm. information. Yeah, very pre-social media. Yeah. Looking for anyone that looked like you, you know, whether you're a female mixer or you're uh, right. uh, African-American mixer, or just anyone that just uh, looks like you in the field that say, hey, you know, I can do this too. I think that's that's incredible and there should be more um spotlight on those individuals as well to just show what's possible yeah and i think that there is i think there is more spotlight on those individuals right now you know this day and age and it's still growing you know and and ali with his new platform engineers you know he's doing something incredible right now just for engineers you know it's unbelievable he's uh (laughs) He's taking it to another level. I love that he's including everyone. Uh, I'm on that platform. I mean, he'll he'll do you know FaceTime calls and follow up with people and and see how people are doing on the platform. And uh, it's just that's it's insane. insane. And uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, you know, any any uh, records you've been working on lately that just really uh, you're super happy how they turned out and like you know any. Um, like upcoming stuff that you're working on that you're like, I can't wait, you know, people to hear this? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, usually I will be doing a lot more work than I have been because I've been taking a little bit slow recently um, just to, you know, pay attention to uh, my more personal things, private things. And that's all like my, my own choice. So I feel very blessed to be able to make that choice. 
Um, so currently I am doing a couple projects, just not as many as I would be normally, but um, I'm working with some indie artists. I love working with indie artists, with um, upcoming independent artists who are still kind of developing yeah. their sound. And I love doing that because you usually get a, get to be a little bit more creative and you get to kind of like search for that yeah. sound with them. And that is something that I really, really enjoy because a lot of the time it'll just be like, oh, this doesn't sound like anything. And that's exactly what I want. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, it, it won't be anyone, anyone that you know, though, because a lot of them are Dutch independent artists. Or like local around me, so. How did how did that <laughs> how did that scene influence you? Like you're saying that these indie artists, they're coming to you without a sound. Is there like an inherent sound or like a genre or like a subgenre that is around your your town or your country that you're like, oh, this is incredible. This is, you know, UK has grime music and mm -hmm. you know there's there's K-pop and there's, right. there's all these other you know genres coming up out of, out of countries do have a really cool local sound yeah. which is um dutch music that is with afro beat beats and the lyrics will be in dutch with like mixed with like some english words and some french wow. words and stuff like they'll throw stuff in there just to just to like appeal to a broader audience because you know not a lot of people speak dutch um but it's wildly popular that genre um out here it's it's super popular and it's just hit after hit after hit that has been climbing in the charts i think i would say probably the past five years maybe a little longer five or six years um that has been really coming up and uh, and that's the main club music as well just the afrobeat sound with the dutch um dutch artist and also, Amsterdam in particular has a really big dance scene, which I'm not really too familiar with, but, you know, that is very lively out here. Um, a lot of dance music, a lot of DJs, a lot of EDM, you know, stuff like that. It's really big out here. Um, so, yeah, but the stuff that I've been working on is actually neither of those things. It's, uh, it's mainly... Um, what I like to work on is R&B and hip hop and um, pop or any type of fusion of those genres. And, um, you know, whenever I work with an indie artist, a lot of the time it will be a fusion of like pop mixed with hip hop, mixed with R&B, mixed with um, maybe some electronic influences. So, so it's really cool to kind of just like mash all those together and see what comes yeah. out, you know. When you when you came back from those seminars, did you feel like, uh, you know, you kind of your sound kind of evolved in a sense? Because I know in different countries they may look for an American mixer for an American stylization of a record. Like they're they're not getting enough low end. They're not they're not getting. Uh, a certain sound that the United States is known for. I didn't know it was that big of a thing. And so I started working with international mm -hmm. clients and they were looking at the records here and then trying to assimilate some of that sonics back over to their home yeah. countries. Were you taking some of those techniques and revitalizing those mixes? Like, hey, you know, these 
more eight oh eight and some stuff and like how are you treating stuff you a know, little bit differently? I <laughs> I don't really think that my sound or my taste, I should say my taste, has changed that much. I do think that it has elevated my skills immensely, which has, you know, given me yeah. the opportunity to translate the the sound that I hear in my my head much better. Um, but I'm still in the box. I have yeah. always been in the box. I'm still in the box. And, you know, all that's really changed is my techniques and uh, my ear, you know, my ear has, has sharpened as well. So um, I wouldn't say that I've um, copied any techniques or anything like that. Like we even got Jason Joshua's Pro Tools template and his uh, plug-in presets and <laughs> stuff. Like the whole group got that, yeah. which is absolutely insane. Um, and I learned a lot from just having it at my disposal, but I, I, it's not like I replaced my template with his, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I think when people, they talk so much about template, like send me the template or let me see your template or let mm -hmm. me see your chain. I'm like, let me see the preset, yeah. the, the chain. Yeah. yeah what is a vocal chain when the source is different every time? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh my God. That's <laughs> right. so funny. It's like. Everyone's like, what's what's the, the chain? What's the secret? Like, there is no secret. Like, yeah. he has a template, yes. I have a template. You have a template. But the, the template is... The secret is the person. Yeah, it's just, it's just routing. I just <sighs> see it as routing. This goes here. It's yeah. supposed to go here. Outputs there. Right. And Right. But I think people are... I think they're looking for the easy way out, right? They want the easy... You know, they want the easy delay throw that sounds like yeah. a million dollars. But they want shortcuts. <laughs> they want shortcuts. They want shortcuts. They there are no shortcuts. There are none because the the lesson, and this is gonna sound so corny, but the lesson is in the road that you walk to eventually getting to that destination. Yeah. It's not in somebody picking you up and putting you down on the destination because you're skipping the most important part. Which is the journey. And, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's where you learn. That's where you grow. That's where you get your skills. You don't get that by taking the elevator. You take the stairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think I think just how people think nowadays about music, the way that it is so freely shared, I think music has gotten better in, in a sense that some people have gotten better faster, but... I think it it all boils mm -hmm. down to your taste. There's like a million mixers, a million producers. Well, why are they choosing one guy over yes. the other, one one person over the other? Uh, it really has to do Which with is a great question. Why are they? Yeah. Why are they choosing one person over the other? And honestly, I have been thinking about that a lot myself. And I think a lot of it has to do with, are you nice to work with? Wow. Are you nice to be on someone's team and to work on someone's music? Like, do they like working with you? Can you translate what they are saying when they give you notes? How is your demeanor? How is your patience? Do you ask questions to get to know them, to get to know their sound, to get to know their taste? How are you going to translate their sound into their song through your hands and ears? Yeah, that that's that's exactly that. It's like being personal and being uh, gracious for the opportunity to continue working, and just making it a fun yeah. experience. I think some people in the studio they 
they make it in such a serious thing. It's so serious. It's like lighten up a little bit. Like have some yeah. fun. Yeah, and you know, and I understand because a lot of the time, especially when you're just working together and you don't really know each other, a lot of that is just insecurity. And, you know, you have an artist there or a producer there who is about to invest money and time into taking a chance on you. Yeah. And a lot of engineers forget that. Like, they, they forget that to be, um, to put themselves in their shoes. And they just kind of see it as like, oh, I'm, I'm here to mix a song and I'm going to get paid and they should, you know take it as it is or something like that you know yeah. like they skip the whole part where somebody is probably nervous yeah about asking you to mix their song and how's it going to turn out and this is going to cost me at least some money um and it's a risk for them you know of course they're gonna you know it's, it's your job to make them feel comfortable and to you know make sure that at least you do the best that you can and then if you uh, still are not on the same page then you know at least you can part ways as you know in a civil way you know nothing about that is personal yeah it's not it's not personal i mean big mixers lose mm -hmm. jobs all the time for whatever reason i think people think that just because you mix a multi-platinum record and you have 10 grammys yeah. doesn't mean that someone that you could please everybody on in the in the world as far as Absolutely. What, your, what your work is and uh, I think another important thing that yeah. people don't talk about is like mental health and uh, personal life. Mm -hmm. I think we're caught up in the grind, like the engineer grind, mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm mixing 300 days a year, nonstop. And I want to keep yeah. climbing and keep climbing and they negate their health. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people who yeah. get, you know, they sit in the chair all day and they're just like, you know. They, they get unhealthy. Get no exercise. No, I, I, they get they get fast food. They eat, you know, sugary stuff. They drink sugary drinks. Yeah. They drink 12 cups of coffee and they don't see any daylight. <laughs> you know, it's not healthy. It doesn't work. And it's not something that you can do for a long time either. I have lived this life that I just described. Yeah. When I just started out when I was like 20 or something and I would go out and go on throughout the entire night and I would go to bed at 7 a.m. and do the whole thing again. And I was even smoking cigarettes back then. Don't judge me. I quit 10 years ago. Congratulations. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> thank you. So right now, the way that my life is right now, health wise, is the complete opposite of that. So I'm really, really on top of my health. And I try to tell everybody that I talk to about this particular subject just like don't underestimate a good night's sleep drinking water getting exercise getting daylight and spending time with loved ones spending time just not mixing and then when you come back from even one day off you're gonna feel like you have just supercharged yourself yeah yeah i mean i used <laughs> to work at studios maybe 10 hour sessions fall asleep on the couch wake up do it again it's not it's not yeah. healthy. It's not healthy to do that for. A it's long not, time. and it's so glorified, you know. And it's so like, like people really talk about that as if that's the dream. And you know, of course, that's gonna get you places. But at the end of the day, you know, you still have to be the best you in order to do this job yeah. well. You know, so don't don't ever underestimate your health and your mental health at that 
but you know physical health is has a big part in that in your mental health yeah i was i was uh, I, I see your space is very lively with light and stuff uh how yes. do you feel about studios being dark and being like no light and and no inspiration mm -hmm. you know i feel like where we work we need to get as much inspiration as we can so that we feel creative and that so that mm -hmm. we can work with a good mind you know i think a lot of studios back in the day yeah. were just these dungeons and it's like how do people make such great yeah. records and <laughs> no no and they still are yeah. yeah there's still a lot of those out there and obviously for for good reason because of soundproofing yeah which makes a lot of sense, you know. Um, usually if you're in a room that has a lot of, like, glass windows and stuff, it's not going to sound ideal. Yeah. So there's a problem there, but, you know, do you want it to sound ideal? I don't know, you know. I love my uh, my room that I'm in with um, one big window that I can look out. And, you know, I, I work at home, so it's easy for me to just walk into my living room and go on the balcony and get some fresh air and stuff. Um, if you're down in some basement somewhere, that might be a little bit more tricky. Or you lose track of time and you don't notice that your ears are fatigued and now all of a sudden you're messing up your mix. <laughs> you step away, you come back, you're like, what is this? Because <laughs> you worked on it for too long in a row. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of your, your, your space, how do you have your space set up? Do you have plants? Uh, what, what's your monitor situation like? So, um, did you ask if I have plants? Plants. plants. Yeah. <laughs> so I have plants in my living room. I don't have them in my studio because it is just a little bit too dark, yeah. I think. And I would feel bad for my plants <laughs> <laughs> to be in, in the dark. So I do have them in my living room where it's really bright. So it's also nice to just walk out of this space and into another space yeah. and just be like not at work for a moment but my my uh, my space here so it has a lovely comfy couch in the back and um my monitors which are the barefoot footprint 01s they are in front of me at around a quarter to a third in the rectangular um rectangular shaped room and i got the bass traps behind and acoustic panels on the walls, a little um, carpet on the floor, nice big desk, which I wouldn't recommend because obviously it reflects also, but I like having, um, having space on a desk. And um, it has some uh, Funko Pop dolls here. We have a oh. little baby Yoda. Oh, you're not the only one. Hey, huh. there we go. I got the little baby Yoda. I got Chun Li. I got Prince with the with the third eye. What? And I got the yellow Power Ranger. <laughs> I only have one. I have I have trunks right here. He's fun. Hey, yeah. No, I I had to um, put a little put a couple fun things in here because it was a little bit too sterile, you know. And I have um, you know a couple. I have a. a platinum and a gold record sitting in the in the back that i still have to put uh -oh. up which is gonna look nice also you know once it's up it's gonna make it you know feel a little bit more fancy and official and people will be so impressed um and uh yeah i gotta get a keyboard here 
and uh, I have a guitar in the back that I do not play, but I do own it. <laughs> it's just mostly there for convenience if somebody ever needs one, but uh, and it looks nice, but I don't play. No, that's awesome. Um, yeah, and a, c a couple things that I, uh, a couple gifts that I got from friends, you know, just some stuff to make it more personal and to, because, you know, so you spend a lot of time in here. So you, you might as well make it fun. Yeah, I think what mine is the cool. I have a, my fragrance collection behind me. I see that. Yeah. So you got so that's so cool. And I got the little Chanel bottle. So I'll have clients come in. We'll mix the record. Mm -hmm. and They'll just have fun. They'll spray stuff and. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> Does it influence you when you're mixing? Yeah, I was actually like the scent. In I the was room. actually mixing a record, and I was tired of like listening to. Uh, mixes so i was like oh let me pick up a tom ford and spray it and see how i feel and mix off how i felt and i was like flabbergasted how fast i mixed it was really weird Seriously? it was such a weird so that's connection. just that's your go juice the tom ford so yeah so for other people it's for other engineers it's a cup of coffee and for you it's just like some spray, spray some perfume and you're good to go it's, it's, yeah it <laughs> They're very akin to mixing because they're they are mixing with scent and they have like a pyramid, so they have mm -hmm. base, mids, and tops, and like what you smell. And uh, that's awesome. So, like, uh, you know, it's it's perfumery is really hard to get into. It's it's, it's like I was like, how do I when, when I started, you know, making music, I was also into that stuff like curve, all these things. And once mm -hmm. I got older, I was like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. And um, I learned about perfumery and I was like thinking of the mixer's job. I'm like, oh, they're kind of similar. They're very, very similar. They have a that's awesome. They get a brief, you know. They have to work that's with that's true. They have to work with clients as well and make stuff more commercial smelling, whatever it is. So I was like, this is this is cool. Mm -hmm. This is cool. So it's like like John Castelli with his cooking. Yeah, his cooking. I don't know if you follow him on Instagram, but his cooking is out of this world. He will just post pictures of these extravagant feasts of like dishes that I've never seen in my life and he will go so precisely into like all of the details of all the herbs and yeah. the mixing of all the ingredients it's funny how that translates back to mixing yeah yeah did you ever go to his he had a uh he had these classes that are not these classes he had like a a hangout where he we went to his studio and he did big table yeah. and he makes food for everyone so his mixing and his yeah. cooking is like one they uh, are infamous yeah, they're infamous they're infamous these john castelli hangouts conversations i haven't had the pleasure yet but um i hope to sometime that would be awesome yeah yeah they were they Absolutely. were they were fun pre-covid so we've right we've been in a yeah. whirlwind of a time how did uh how you know did you uh adjust to the pandemic how did you just with 2020 being like such a sucker punch yeah. to everyone you know so i have to say that i feel incredibly grateful and blessed just because work-wise nothing changed because i was already working at home so it was kind of like just incredible that i was like okay i am so lucky that i just get to 
do this. The only thing that has obviously made a huge impact is everything outside of home and also inside of home, but mainly outside. So the things that I would usually do to unwind, like go to the gym, gyms were closed, have dinner with friends, no restaurants, be social at all was not, you know, not possible. So that had a huge impact on me and particularly gyms closing. I felt like that really put a, like did a number on me and put a big strain on, um, put a lot of stress on me because I couldn't, you know, I, I do martial arts. I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yes. My which best is friend a... <laughs> is a, a BJJ coach and he also does MMA. I love that. Yeah, I started with MMA and then I went into BJJ. And so it's actually next to music, next to mixing. It's like my number one favorite thing. And so I couldn't do that for a really long time. And that really, really affected me because it kind of like balances this chaotic, crazy lifestyle of just focusing on 16 hour work days and sitting on uh, on a at a desk on a computer, um, you know, and I didn't have that balance. So um, I did do like some some home workouts, but it's nothing in comparison so that is one thing that I really struggled with. But, you know, like I started out with saying, I feel incredibly lucky and blessed because I know a lot of people who have really, really suffered and struggled immensely. So I never want to um, want to overlook that and I never want to lose sight of how how fortunate I am and how grateful I am. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu um... is one of the hardest... <laughs> disciplines i've ever seen anyone do and i love the fact that you do not know when you're going to get your next belt my friend just got his brown belt out of nowhere <laughs> nice, and it's nice. just like i am uh, i'm hoping this year i get my blue belt I, I hope that i'll get to my blue belt which is the next step up from white belt which usually you're a white belt for like three or four years which I'm at right now. So it would be cool if I make it this year, but I'm not in a rush. You know, I'll wait and see what coach thinks. Yes. If he thinks I'm ready, then I'll get my next belt. <laughs> that, yeah. You just, you just don't know, but it's, it's not about getting your belt. It's yeah. about loving the sport and learning and, and being a, a Oh yeah. A fellow like, um, sports sports women uh sportsmen like like conduct like it's about being respectful you know towards your opponent and uh it's for just, sure there's a lot of respect in the, yeah. in the sport that i really appreciate admiring it a lot of respect because it's extremely humbling it really is it's extremely <laughs> it really humbling is. there is nothing more humbling than being on a brazilian jiu-jitsu mat and as particularly in the beginning and someone just kind of like crushes you and is able to kill you with their bare hands in 10 seconds yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you have no choice but to tap and give up you know and start over and i love that process i just i absolutely love that process I mean, tapping is... I could go on about it forever. Let me stop talking about it. <laughs> this, this is not a BJJ podcast. It could be, though. No, we, I, I think the unique thing about this podcast is, you know, there's so much technical knowledge, but I love hearing what other people are into. Eric Madrid is into gardening. 
you know, it's like I'm into fragrances. Is he? Yeah, no, he really That's is. That's so cool. He's uh he's really into like That's Japanese awesome. gardens and like planting. It's, it's it's so cool because it says a lot about wow. the person other than like what they do. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny how like especially mixing engineers will kind of be like particular and nerdy and extremely passionate about like some other hobby hobby next to mixing yes it's always it's never something that they just kind of do there's just always some other obsession out there i love that <laughs> which i love about engineers yeah i love exploring that because it, it just it just shows that that attention to detail it gets spread out somewhere somehow to something else <laughs> yeah it really shows you like the type of person that mixing engineers will generally be and it's my favorite kind of person <laughs> i have to say just like a little bit nuts little bit nuts a little bit crazy but like in a good way yeah i love that and shout out yeah. to the people who support us because there's a lot of supporters family supporters Absolutely. in life because it's not an easy much much love life to live and like for people to understand that you're working and you're kind of on call and all these things is exactly don't you just love the people in your personal circle around you who you don't have to explain anything to because they'll just know. yeah they'll just know and because i the amount of times that i have had to cancel last minute because some work thing came up like you know in the past it's been problems but it hasn't for a long time just because I have this amazing circle around me that I'm so grateful for. It really makes all the difference, like the people that you have around you and the the, the stuff that you can share with them and just the support that you get. Yeah, their their perspective is so much more funnier when you tell them like a little studio story of what happened today. They're like completely not in it. So they have a completely different yeah. perspective and uh yeah, those people that yeah. you don't need to explain things to, they're, they're a blessing because it's, it's not easy. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot to ask of someone to just understand that you're on call 24-7, basically. <laughs> and then they're like, uh, you know, then they don't make you choose between, you know, your personal life and your work. So it's like, that's always hard, too. It's like, yeah. they won't say, yeah. hey, you know, they're like, we understand. Yeah. Go, go do your thing. Um, yeah, it has been a little bit more just emergency based for me recently because I used to be on call literally for anything. Yeah. Like even if it's just like, hey, I need the stems for this song so I can, I can do a live yeah. show. And I'll just be like, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll get them over in like an hour or something like that. Like there's no need to rush things that aren't an immediate emergency just so you can like also make time scheduling time for like private time and and fun you know having fun with your friends and stuff yeah because i think at the family at the drop of a dime we're so like yes we'll do it yes you say yes and figure it out and then yeah like because into our in time. the back of your mind <laughs> yeah you know in the back of your mind you're just like oh they might go to someone else tomorrow or tonight <laughs> you know if i say if i make them wait if i say no like any half an hour or something feels like forever. Fifteen minutes, yeah. It's like, like, oh my god, are they yeah, are they looking the on, are they looking on sound better <laughs> or whatever yeah. they're looking at? Like, are they looking somewhere? You're fired. Else? You're fired. Like what? 
Like we found someone already. Yeah. Well, you know, communication is a is a big thing. Communication is a big thing. So if you can just be like, absolutely, I'll get those to you. When do you need them by? Usually they'll be like, oh, it's no rush. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, cool. I'll get them to you tomorrow or whenever. You know, it doesn't have to be right this second. Like, I'll do it right this second. They're like, you know, I used to be like that all the time. Like, <laughs> my girlfriend's like, no, we're having dinner. You could print the stems after dinner. Like, like you're like, but 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 like, they need stems. He's like, but no, you have a personal life. Does people not? He's like. My mom was like, do people not understand you have a personal life? I'm like, I don't think they do. <laughs> because No, really... I seriously really don't think that they do. Although people have gotten much better. And also I have become more selective with the people that I work with. So like if I notice that someone is not really supportive of, you know, me being like, oh, yeah, I can do that tonight. And I'll notice like an attitude or something. I'll know like, OK, this is not really my person, maybe. Yeah. Maybe I don't absolutely have to work with this person or something like that. You know, you can be selective about things like that. Yeah, I think I think for me, uh, uh, like a while is just saying no, you know, like even if they're a little bit bad, you always feel like it's your fault or whatever. You could have made it better, but it really is just a person to person thing. And sometimes just things don't work out and that's OK. Like you were saying, like, yeah, can't take yeah, it personal again. Exactly. That's what I, that's what I was going to say. Again, it's nothing personal. You know, a lot of the time it's just um I I like to call it a conflict of needs. Mm. I need this and you need something different and maybe you should, you know, not order spaghetti when you're at the shoe store, you know, <laughs> yeah. just go to a spaghetti place. Yeah. You know? If you want shoes, I'll get you shoes, but I can't get you spaghetti, you know. Yeah. It's a conflict of needs and that's fine. It doesn't have anything to do with anyone other than, you know, it just doesn't match. Or somebody can just be a dick. That happens too, but not <laughs> fortunately not that often. <laughs> yeah, those kind of people are just like, why are you upset? I'm trying to help you. Like, it's not like I'm <laughs> literally trying to help you with the best of my abilities. And uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we get thrown into things like, I don't think people understand. Like, engineers get just thrown into situations. Like, you're just thrown in a room with an SSL and it's like 20 people and you're like, okay, go. You're like, okay, cool. You know? Like, would you would you be like okay, cool? Because uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be like okay, cool. I would not I would, say okay. I cool. would say hey, can I see the patch table? Can I see can I see this? Like, can we get? Can I get acclimated first? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, because I think yeah, because that's not that's not reasonable at all to ask of someone. But you know, again, there's there's a lot of misunderstanding as well. So that. That's not personal either. It's just people being uninformed. But then it's it's that much more important to be vocal and to communicate. Yeah, a hundred percent. Be upfront about things. Yeah. No, this is this is this is a great conversation. I I love where this this is going and. Uh, and it uh, is it's, right. It's, it's great. We have so much in common and so much to share and you know we can go on about this stuff forever and a lot of it's universal too it can be from anybody who's just starting out to people who've been doing it for 20 years you know yeah i love i love uh you know like the the talking about the personal life and 
just just getting the understanding of what it means to be like top level. Like you could be a top level mm-hmm. professional and be a top level human. Like I always, you know, I love hearing the stories about hearing, you know, whatever top tier person. And you also hear that they're a great person. I just, I love that, mm-hmm. you know, getting that symbiotic yeah, absolutely. thing of like, wow, like they're amazing at their job yeah. and they're very kind to people who are interns or kind to people when there's, yeah, you know, just, just to be kind. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is why a lot of those, you know, big names that we've mentioned before, I do consider them my mentors as well, because I look up to them and the way that they um, do their business, the way that they handle their business and the way that they communicate and the way that their mindset is, you know, mindset says a lot about someone as well. And um, being courteous you know, being patient, being understanding, um, even just the way that, like, for example, like um, Tony Maserati will write an email and it'll just be so humble and so kind and it'll be so communicative. Um, and that's always stuck with me because I was like, he really doesn't have to do that. He yeah. chooses to do that. Yeah. And he puts that that same courtesy in all of his work and every single song that he touches and um and you know like someone like jason joshua is just incredibly generous in general will just like share every single thing there is to share and more yeah for the sake of just sharing and having it out there because he wants every single person to have access to all of that information um, it's just the passion, you know, the passion that drives people is super inspirational. Yeah, I love people that just, they're an open book. When I, when I learned from Bruce Wayne, like, you yeah. tell him every, any question, he'll just answer it because he wasn't insecure about his skill set. He knew that he was who he was, mm-hmm. and he worked on these records. And if you wanted to ask him what mic he used on what, you know, drum kits or vocal mic or how did he EQ something? Right. Those people are always going to be great because their, their self-esteem isn't tied into what they do. It's just, it's like, they're just, yes. they're not, they're not afraid that I'm going to go buy a Harrison and start mixing Michael Jackson. Like there's so many, <laughs> there's so many different mm-hmm means to why people continually stay at the top and it's not just delivering you know yeah uh, a mix no absolutely not you said you could be the best engineer in the world you know ear wise but if you're a a nightmare to work with you're not gonna get jobs yeah no matter how good you are you know uh you know who else is a good example of what we were just talking about al schmidt rest in peace yeah Al Schmidt, like, I never met him, unfortunately, but just his videos and watching him talk about audio, talk about recording and mixing and just music in general, artists in general, there is nothing but love and admiration for music there. Yeah. And it is so inspirational. Yeah, he's, he, he's one of those people where, you know... He makes you feel like everything is in control and he just calms the room down. I, I, I read that a lot, especially yeah. after he passed that. Paul McCartney could be in the room, all these session players. He never 
looked down on anyone. He went all hanged out with the with the orchestra, and you know he wasn't the kind of person who mm-hmm. separated himself from anyone or anything. He kind of included everyone into the process, which made the process a lot smoother. I mean, he's you know he was making records with with no compressors. You know, like talk about how gifted we are in yeah. in, in a time where. So many right. tools are available to us, but for him, he literally had to probably go in There's the basement and move a microphone for, in the in the chamber and go back upstairs. And mm-hmm. I just I applaud people like so that. So true. I applaud people like that. Absolutely. That's that's the the origins. That's the source right there of of what we're doing essentially. Yeah, yeah. It's insane. It's very inspirational. What um what is your new um your favorite new plugin? Oh, I was, I was literally just gonna ask you like the same thing. I'm curious. Um, oh my God, there's something called Sketch Cassette too, and something called Shapeshifter. I do not know this one. Yeah, it's so. Cool. Oh, I heard about that one. Yeah, their Shapeshifter one is really really good. Um, also. Nice. Uh, like uh, Rule Tech, you know, the, their Pull Tech is kind of cool, and, and the uh, the Amac 200 from Plugin Alliance. I love that. I love that. Ah, okay. Nice. Did you, um, I'm going to sound like they paid me to say this, but they did not. Did you check out Kelvin by Tone Projects? I have. I need plugin. to get I need to get that. That's the uh the dual stage saturator, right? It is. Yeah, well, essentially, but it just the way that it sounds and I haven't even really gotten to the bottom of it just yet, but I have been working with it a little bit for the past week and it just sounds so amazing. Like and it's a plug-in, which is why I'm so impressed. Yeah. You know, usually I'll go for like a decapitator or I don't know, like a black box or something like that for, you know, whatever I'm looking for. I might be looking for like an extra edge on the master or maybe on the vocal bus, maybe on the instrumental bus. And uh, I've been using Kelvin recently and it just sounds really great. And I, I haven't really figured out exactly why yet. It just has a really great tone to it. So I'm a fan. I'm just a fan. It's musical it's sounding. Like word. everything I have to use has to be musical. If I can't figure it out in like 10 yes. minutes, I don't want to use it. <laughs> exactly. No, and it's very musical because it'll automatically kind of drift to what you're looking for in your head, which is it's really impressive. And it's not like building up those honky low mids and mids. Yeah. You know, which I hate whenever you like really, really drive distortion or saturation. It'll just sound like something just really bad. And you have to EQ like a lot of it again. Um, but yeah, no, this one, it really sounds great. I can re- recommend it. And. Also, a kind of new plugin that we have in common, which is Smooth Operator by Baby Audio. Shout out to Baby Audio. Shout out to Baby Audio. Casper and all those. Smooth Operator. We both, um, yeah, we both got to do some uh, some really nice presets for that one. Still using that one. 
a lot. I love that new uh, feature yeah. with the solo because I was mixing a record yes, a few days ago. Yeah, and it's great. All different vocals. I'm like, okay, I'm going to put my preset and then I'm going to tweak it and then use that. I was actually using your, your vocal bus preset. <laughs> hey. So a few dope. weeks ago, yeah, because I was mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to scroll to mine. I'm just going to use yours. Because <laughs> mine is like, sort of like, I forgot, like 60 or something. It's like, you have to go scroll down a little bit. But yours is right at the top. Oh, really? Yeah. I know. They are at the top. I was so honored. I was like, is this like really, they're literally the first three presets. Yeah, I love that. Cause I, and now it's like vocal bus preset. I'm like, that's what I need. <laughs> it's like, I'm not scrolling to yeah, mine. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I did get like a lot of positive feedback on those presets. I did not expect it at all. And they, they're the first presets that I've ever done for a plugin that have come out with it. So it's really, really cool. Yeah, me too. I was like super excited because I always grew up like like Chris Lord Algae preset and then you see your name in the preset. Yeah. And then producers yeah, are using it. We made it. We made it. <laughs> like some of my producers would use that. They'll just like save it or they'll save a delay I use and call it Sam delay. I'm like, that's so funny. <laughs> that's like the funniest yet yeah. honest thing ever. Like I just, I just love that. That's awesome. That's so cool. I love it. The par parallel uh, aggression is great. Aggressor. Uh, oh, yeah. Parallel aggressor. That one's great. It is a little bit like it's just very coloring, which is why I can't use it all the time. Yeah. But it's also something that can work really, really well whenever you're looking for that and like something kind of drastic. Yeah. You slap that on like on a drum bus or whatever. You need some parallel ag aggressiveness to <laughs> And uh, and it'll just do it like right away. Just dial it in, and you're good. I love Comeback Kit as well. Still baby audio for those who don't know. Yeah, baby audio. But uh, yeah, love those guys doing great work. What's uh What's your favorite vocal throw delay plugin if you have one? Vocal. I'm sorry, you were like lagging. vocal delay throw. Like if you want to do a throw. Oh. Okay, so I have been really, really inspired by Mike Seberg, who is Jason Joshua's assistant, who will do a lot of um, delay throws and stuff like that. And he showed us as a group the way that he does it. And it's obviously also he has learned from Jason. I'm, I'm not trying to say that, you know, yeah. Jason doesn't do <laughs> delay throws or whatever is pulled out of context. Stop messing with me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so so Mike was was showing us how he does it and he just like lines up a bunch of plugins in a, in the inserts. Mm -hmm. But he'll do it in a different session, which is really really cool and I ha I have been doing the same thing because you don't have to worry about your CPU. So what I have done is I have made like a vocal effects um, uh, template for myself. Um, which has just like a bunch of stuff that I can work off of. And I always tweak it. I never leave it as is, but it's just like some ideas. So if I would go for a delay throw, I would probably start with a Pro Tools stock plugin Lo-Fi. And I will uh, put that on like probably 24,000 hertz sample rate, you mm -hmm. know, like really, really like make it really uh, dull and have like no high end in there. Yeah. 
um, but in a tape saturated type of way. So it's it's sounds different from like just slapping on an EQ with a high cut. But uh, that will be the first. And then afterwards, I might do some chorus type effects to make it like really wide in stereo. And after that, I might do either an Echo Boy by Sound Toys, one of my favorites. Yeah. Or I'll just do a Waves H delay. And then after that, I'll, I'll slap on like a reverb, maybe like a, a D-verb by Pro Tools. Yeah. Or something else like a Valhalla. And then what I like to do is add another uh, delay. After the verb. I'll play with the mix. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll play with the mix and, you know, kind of play around with that. So I'll just have like a line of inserts. That'll be my delay throw. And then I'll do maybe like a pan man, sound toys pan man or something. Or or I'll just automate the panning myself and just kind of give it some space in there. Or maybe I'll automate like a little altar boy mess with the pitch i can do that either after or before it goes into the delay and reverbs and stuff so i like to play around with a lot of that stuff and just make it like really wild and crazy oh yeah i love that i love uh automating the lo-fi uh the the sample rate and the distortion at the same time mm -hmm. as the feedback loop is occurring so it'll just degrade it yeah because i was inspired yeah. by uh love that uh, what's that mix? He did the worst with Jinea Echo. The delayed throws on that, like there's a mm. there's a throw, a constant throw that happens, and as the feedback is going, it's degrading even more. So I was like, oh, I'm just gonna do my version yeah. of that. I always loved that actual yeah. thing, and I was like, I was doing that, or I was doing uh, yeah. It's it's crazy. You gotta like put it in master bypass, but you put the fuzz box on, and as the the feedback delay is occurring you then you put the sim on so then the feedback delay sounds like it's going through a telephone so like you'll have the full bandwidth mm -hmm. of it and then when you turn it as it starts to decay you put on fuzz box so then the <laughs> the the feedback nice. will sound even crazier like it's crazy that's so dope and you can automate like um the feedback knob of the age delay really really well as well yeah or, or Echo Boy, you know, and you'll just like kind of push it, bring it back again, push it, bring it back again. And you'll just like have an extra instrument in there that you can just like completely wild out with. Yeah, the wobble I think um, Greg Wells, Greg Wells like do, likes doing that as well. He'll have like a bunch of separate effects tracks of just feedback delays that'll just be like one resonating note. Yeah that you can kind of like dial in for like some extra harmonics and stuff. Yeah, it works really, really well. I love that idea that you just said with the, did you say fuzz box? Yeah, the fuzz box, McDSP. It's the one, it's yeah, the one. Yeah, I don't have that one. It, it, it basically has a bunch of sims in there. It does like a walkie talkie, it does a radio. It's a distortion. Nice. Tensado used to use it a lot. Um, Mm. And uh, you That's know, so dope. when you put the master bypass on, hopefully it doesn't click or pop, and then you can just, if it does, you can just crossfade it out. If it if it does that, but usually it doesn't. Yeah, do that. exactly. Yeah, I like committing it so it's just an audio file, and you can just like mess with that. Yeah, when yeah, I do so that, you don't have like the the feedbacking. I try to uh, 
when I do commit it, I write what the plugins are because I totally forget how I did something. <laughs> There's a, de a delay. Yeah. It'll just have dot .cm or whatever the, the, if you commit it. Yeah. And then I just write in the comments what it was. I always keep what I did because I might want to go back and do like another section yeah. with the same effect. So that's why I also like having a vocal effects template or a vocal effects session for a mix. And I'll just set myself up with like a bunch, bunch, bunch of effects. And then I'll just sort them all out and I'll mute what I don't need. But I like to go like really crazy with it and just see what sticks, you know. I was listening to your, your mixes on your Spotify and I was like, wow, you have such a clear vocal, like a clear, open lead vocal. I just, mm. that's an art because that's a really... Thank you really hard to do especially you know given all these vocals and microphone choices uh are there any last tips you you have on like clarity in the top end without harshness thank you that is actually something that i spend a lot of time on whenever i do a mix is getting the vocal clear and like with a nice top end but not harsh and that'll usually take the most time or I'll spend the most time on it because that's essentially what people are going to listen to first yeah and I'm really sensitive to it because I'm a singer first you know I, I started out as a singer and I started making my own beats and stuff and making my own songs when I was like 15 years old yeah so it has been just imprinted in my brain to just like try to make myself sound good and sound like the music that I like listening to, which is obviously, you know, that's not going to happen when you're 15 years old with your little setup at home. But uh, I was at least striving for it, you know, and um, that has, you know, that has stuck around to this day. I still do. I still work that way. I, I love a clear sounding vocal that you don't lose sight of, you know. So yeah, a lot of lot of automation, a lot of clip gaining, a lot of volume automation, a lot of parallel compression automation, and stuff like that. So thank you for uh, for the compliment, and thank you for noticing. <laughs> no, no, I mean I'm listening on my speakers. I'm like that consistency is hard. Um, are you someone that swaps out parallel compression? You have different chains, different kind of tones. Usually it'll just be the Universal Audio 1176 Blue Face. Yeah. It'll almost always be that for a vocal because it'll usually just sound really great. Always. And what I'm looking for is just something that will make, make sure that the vocal is very forward and very in your face and fat but it's not sounding over compressed because the vocal itself, I'll barely do compression. Like most of the com compression in air quotes comes from the clip gain yeah. that I'll just, I'll, I'll manually like alter the, the volume so that the lower parts are higher and the higher parts are lower. Yeah. So I'm manually compressing basically. So I'm not compressing that vocal just like a little, little bit I'll do with like the waves our compressor, yeah. Re Waves Renaissance compressor, which is my favorite for a vocal. It almost always works, so I'll uh, that's my go-to. 
and I'll use it twice on uh, in the same chain. I'll start with like catching the really really quick peaks yeah. in the opto mode, and uh, I'll do like a really fast attack, fast release, and I'll barely barely touch it, and the ratio will not go over one and a half to one. Yeah, and then. I'll do another EQ and then I'll do another compressor where the attack and the release are much uh, slower. And so that's more of a like a glue type sound. And the ratio will still be really low. It'll still be like one and a half to one. And it'll barely be doing gain reduction, but it'll just give me that little bit of glue. And um, the rest of the compression is just, like I said, is, is manual um, automation, but um, it's also coming from the parallel compressor, which I'm squashing. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's that? Yeah. That blue so it blends face. really nicely. <laughs> it works so yeah. well on stuff. Yeah, and, squashing uh, that. Yeah, that makes uh, yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, it's great with your vocal sound because when you're not compressing it, you're not uh, doughing out those frequencies, right? So if you're just clip gaining it, right? The people either you want to compress key, you want to compress it, or you want to control the dynamic content of the whatever you're doing so it's like you got to figure out what you're trying to do right. and you're like oh if you want to just yep. bring it down bring it down if you're going to compress it you're going to exactly change it. or if this yeah if this word is like really uh high in volume and you want to compress it so that it doesn't stick out that's like kind of like the backwards way of looking at it yeah. you know you can just literally pick that word and literally click how you want it to be. Yeah. And you don't have to put a plug-in on a whole vocal for one little word, you know? <laughs> yeah, people will do that sometimes. You're like, I can't control yeah, it. I'm like, thing. yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or it'll just, it'll just be just the compression will just be too much and the vocal will have no life to it, which is, you know, that's just the the biggest shame the biggest waste of a great vocal is you know if you compress it to death there's no life there's no breath there's no movement no dynamics you know yeah they're just i love a lively vocal that actually gets loud and quiet like not a vocal that's flatlined i think when people use the presets yeah. it'll be a heavy preset it'll be like five to one and then the threshold will be down. Be, you'll see the yeah. R confident will be like this. It'll just be flatlined, <laughs> orange. And then they're, yeah. they're like, oh, my vocal sounds dull. I'm like, well, bring that threshold all the way up. And you're like, oh, my God, I can hear it top end yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. And it's so true. And that R comp will ruin a vocal really quick if you don't know what you're doing with it. But, uh, yeah, once you get to know it, it can be your best friend. It works really well on a lot of things. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> Just don't squash a vocal with it, please. Don't kill your vocals <laughs> or our comp. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, this was an incredible conversation. And uh, thank you so much for I had so much time. fun. I really do. I wonder if I... Thanks for having me on. Oh, no problem. We definitely got to do this again. <laughs>